Welcome to the Winest Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle FC fan podcast. The podcast that is saying season review, fifth in the league, Scottish Cup, last few games of the season, big highs, fireball, low lows, picks a lot, goal, player of the season, interviews with Sean Welsh, Neil McCann, Scott Gardner, and even looking forward to 21 22. Going to games, remember that? All that and a lot more on this last pod of the season. Let's shuffle. How you do, you no bars or sell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. What did Tarzan say when he found his screwdriver? There's it. Welcome, one and all, to the Winer Shuffle. I'm Andrew Moffat, and joining me today for this end of season pod is End of the Road, Stevie Riley. At the end of the line, Andrew Young. You can sit around and wait for the phone to ring. Waiting for someone to tell you everything. Good evening. My only friend, the end, Ross McKenzie. This is the end, beautiful friend. Hello. And West End Girls, Andrew Sutherland. In a western town, a dead end world, the eastern boys and western girls. <laughs> Thank you as always for that, saving the best for last. Right, we might not have finished in the playoffs and achieved promotion, but taking the season on a whole, we've, we have finished on a, on a relative high. We'll take a look at the wider season in a bit, but what's your season highlights been, guys? Just a, a wee quick recap each. Was it the linesman's head as the ball? Was it the pronunciation uh, weekly of your Cali Thistle? Was it McCann's quarterback experiment? Was it Lewis Toshney's uh, arrival in junior football? Was it Swamp Longman? Was it the secret whistleblower? Or maybe just the wee guys standing on the bridge the one-one Dundee game at the end of the season. Choose your highlights, please. Serious highlight for me, obviously the Ross County Scottish Cup win with a fantastic Danny Mackay goal, and I think also more seriously, it does actually show how good our youth development is at times. So that's maybe encouraging signs. You know, something like um, something to follow for the likes of Ronnie McGregor, Robbie Dees, etc. But um, obviously some of the more farcical stuff. Yeah, I mean the, the pixel camera nightmare from the, the get-go was just. Dreadful, the mistaking the linesman's bolly napper for a ball. Jesus Christ, get a grip. Same, same as Sav. Um, obviously, the Derby wins at Hengel's above anything we've done this season. The Queen of the South away performance, those two performances for me stood out. But generally, I think just the introduction of youth this season, the amount of homegrown young boys playing in the team this season has been nice to see, the amount of game times they've got. And uh, yeah, we shout out to the, the dozen boys who are standing in the in the bridge side there, uh, support the team. It was quite nice that Dan McKay, when he scored, went and acknowledged him. So, yeah, hopefully next season we'll, we'll bind the goals and we can get some proper acknowledgement. But, yeah, it's been up and down. 
just as a as a single moment, uh, I'll go with a different Dan McKay goal. His uh, his goal against Dundee shortly after we went down to nine men. Um, just you know, I've I've started watching football with my son a bit more recently, and he's you know he's obviously he gets Premiership and the Champions League pushed on him all the time, and he thinks it's a bit ridiculous me sitting watching you know Aloha TV or whatever on a Saturday afternoon. It's not it's not really a good look, but that that as a single individual moment for us sitting watching that was just it was amazing it was just uh, it was an unbeatable feeling scoring a goal that you're absolutely not supposed to score that might actually you know have huge meaning for for the club unfortunately ultimately it didn't did, did he celebrate it as well did he get involved i think he uh, probably the first time i've seen him you know affected by a cali goal uh, yeah good sign mate good sign <laughs> sure. yeah i think uh, everyone's covered the highlights on the pitch already from a purely selfish point of view, the biggest thing for me this season was having the opportunity to see every game, because I've never had that before due to kind of location and work. Um, and I feel that my life is immeasurably richer for the experience of watching us lose one 0 at home tomorrow and on picks a lot with Andy Barrow and kind of delivering the commentary. Fantastic. Well, that's a good good segue to mine because uh, my highlight is that it took me until the last game of the season to realise. The Bannerman actually was the best co-commentator we've had this season. <laughs> <laughs> right, will Toddy stay? Is McCann really off? Billy Dodds, question mark. Game by game, we'll analyse the season as a whole very shortly, but we've, we have analysed every single game this season, so it's only right to take a very brief look at the very end of the season, you know, as, as long ago as it feels right now. Uh, six games, screamers at Capolo, the toddy, Dan resurgence, red cards, and, and the fizzling out of some late hope. A huge amount of drama, excitement, ups and downs, but ultimately a letdown at the end. Enough about line of duty. That was rubbish. Uh, Tuesday, 6th of April, Morton, 4-1 win. 6th of April, how long ago was that? Eh? Uh, after this game, the playoffs are on. Are they not? Certainly looked like it after that game. I mean, Morton away, I mean, pitch is terrible, but it's a game I think we all expected us to win, but I don't think we expected the performance and the goals. I mean, you would Lewandowski and Mbappe up front, being Nikolai Lewandowski and Daniel Mbappe. We were on form and we were flying and... I think Sub on another forum was disappointed that Toddy's second goal wasn't goal of the month. Um, contender, I, and I agree. I mean, the first one's a peach. The second one, if that's in any big league in, in Europe, it's it's getting replayed in Sky Sports for if, weeks on end. But if that's even in the Premier League, you know, if that was Lee Griffiths doing that, then they'd be calling him for Scotland squad based on that alone. I mean, on the, the, on the Toddy goal, he's actually falling back when he hits it. He kind of like controls the ball in his the cross from I think it's Sutherland on his chest. And he's falling back when he kind of volleys that in. It's obviously a stupendous strike. And yeah. one of my favourite things, I always love it when you see a, <clears throat> a footballer um, kind of reacting in complete disbelief to something his teammate's done. And Miles Story, not for the time, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of, you know, he's got his head in his hands, like, oh my God, what have I just seen? Obviously, everyone will probably remember the ridiculous goal uh, Ryan Christie scored against Aberdeen. He did the same thing there, kind of like, oh my God, what's going on? Um, so I'm always a big fan of that. And I think, not to anything away from, Danny Mackay's goal, the fourth goal in that game, which is also ridiculously good, but I, th- I think Tony was hard done by not to have his in for a goal of the month. Well, what makes this game all the more ridiculous is we got beaten 1-0 at home 
five this mob uh, the month previous. So had we won that game, we would have been in the playoffs. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, Saturday the tenth was Queens away. This was a one-one draw. A game in a game that sees a score from a mild story cross. You'd think the luck would be on our side, wouldn't you? Uh, but other than that supreme header from Toddy, it was pretty much all square. Was this a game we realistically should have won? I don't know. I mean, I think we probably created the better chances overall and we did dominate possession early on. But I think Queen's kind of knew how to play us from that game earlier in the season when they kind of let us have the ball. They sat back, they kept it tight and then they hit us on the break. So they've got that real pace, you know, um, coming forward. Is it um, um, Budi and is it Jones? Is the other guy very, very tough? Yeah, Jones. Yeah. 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 Um, and they, they almost did it again. You know, this this season you had two really good saves from Richards in the first half. One all was disappointing, but it wasn't necessarily like an injustice. Hot Toddy rises to the occasion again. I mean, another great header. Um, guy, guys, just like, like Danny Mackay, the two of them just ended the season on such amazing form. Absolutely brilliant from them both. Okay, we'll move on to the Scottish Cup. Uh, Neil McCann will talk about this. Uh, enthuse over our performance later on in the pod. But um, Scottish Cup dream over another season, but... Would we all have taken getting pumped 7-0 here just to have beaten them over the bridge in the previous round in what was actually our cup final? I mean, before the county game, you say yes, but I mean, I was, I'm disappointed. Obviously, the manner in which we lost was, was obviously a kick in the balls, but we did look out on our feet. We looked knackered towards the last sort of 10, 15 minutes, but I still fancy this to take extra time and nick a draw. And, and you look at the draw, how it opened up, come on at next game as well. And obviously... We, we know the old firm get knocked out, but uh, it's it was a, it been a bonus. But I think the, na- the nature of where we lost was sore, and uh, just shows you though there's St Mary should have been in top six in the Premier League um, before the split, and uh, there was nothing between the teams. I think uh, the big game was the Dundee game coming up, following it, and um, you know the focus was on that, and I think there was still a an element of belief that we could go and win that game and get in the playoffs. Um, so, But then then when you look back at it, and as, as Stevie says, look, the way the draw opened up, and we're knocking about with nothing to do in the middle of May, and there's a cup final on Saturday, and we could we could very well have ended up in it. You know, uh, Ross mentioned the Dundee game. That was, that was Maybe that was our cup final. It was a 1-1 draw in the end. I think my notes are first half, nothing happened. Second half, everything happened. Two sendings off, both of which weren't sendings off, no matter how much an, an amateur or street league referee tells you otherwise. Um, was this game ruined by the referee, really, Stevie? I don't, yes, yes and no. I mean, I, I've actually forgot about how bad the ref's performance was. I mean, just when Ross was speaking about his uh, moment of the season, that's that's up there for me. I mean, to, to go 1-0 up with nine men in a game that you have to win, I mean, you would never see that coming. It was, it was euphoria for about, what, 40 seconds, wasn't it? And then, you know what happened, but... No, I mean, I agree. I don't. I don't think we're both red cards, but again, it probably was. I don't. I think I don't know why their goal was chopped off. I'd like to have seen that better in person there, but I think uh, I think our job was a fair result, and we just didn't do enough. And again, similar to the Mirren game, the manner in which we lost equaliser was was sore. But when you don't have two, if you've got two less players on the pitch, it's hard to pick up men in a corner kick, isn't it? The form we were in and the spirit that was there in the team, I think there's every chance we could have gone on and won the game and uh, we could be looking forward to a promotion for they would have had to they would have to do some really weird rescheduling because we'd be in the Scottish Cup final and the playoff final. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll move on to the Hearts game. Um, a, a very poor first half in this match, really not uh, and not so not what we'd seen for the previous few games at all. Much better second, but by then the game was was gone. 
I take it, um, guys, the Jambos didn't get the memo about lying down. <laughs> no, you said poor first half, Moff. We could have scored in the first minute, if you remember. I mean, we were out, we were out the charts quickly, but I think uh, I think that's a game. I think after Dundee, it's it's, it's game over. I think that's a, that's a hard performance that we, we probably we, we probably should expect against most teams last season. But yeah, I think me personally, it was gone. We needed favours that weren't going to happen, and yeah, it panned out that way. Who you paid eighteen fifty? Who you did? Eh? Why didn't you pay eighteen fifty to those fleece and bastards? Aye. I did as well. Yeah, it was a privilege to watch Gary McKay Stephen decide to play his first decent game in like about five years. Um, Moff and I met up before this game uh, to applaud the team off the bus for their efforts. Well, uh, to, to tell, well, tell a lie. I mean, it was my day. You know, I had my I had my wee one for the day, so I said, like, "Well, let's go to Gorgie Farm, <laughs> which is <laughs> over the road from Tynecastle." But we <laughs> failed to get. We failed to get to the team bus in time due to the length of time it takes vegan cheese to melt. I'll just leave that there without any further context. We only reached like a kind of quite disturbed and scared looking Shane Sullivan. We did, we did. Well and, and, and I'll tell you, Ross had his, his vegan cheese sandwich. He's like, Moff, Moff, hold this. And I said, I can't. I've got a, a two-year-old in one hand and I've got, my other, I've got my sandwich in the other. So Ross put it down <laughs> on the ground next to a dog shit. And now we'll move on. Um, last game of the season, Friday the 30th, uh, a 2-2 draw against Air. It was a dead rubber, but this would be the sort of game you enjoy going to, isn't it? You know, sort of the season is over, there's really nothing to play for. It's just a game of football you can go and enjoy watching. Um, well, I, was, I, was, I was at the game, boys, in a room. Oh, God, I remember. I mean, as I, as I say, Andy Bannerman, bring him back. Right, do, you to, do you want to tell us about your Air experience? Yeah, tell us about your experience. I, that's, I mean, that's some of the fans will want to hear that. Right, you, you, sit, you, you sit in a cupboard um, in, in the main stand um, away from the other commentator in another cupboard in the main stand and you, you watch a laptop and you commentate on it. So, so you don't actually watch the game on the pitch then? No, no. And, 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 and that's sort of, as much as we have a laugh at young Andrew, I think a lot of his mistakes could probably be described as being due to, due to the fact that you can't actually see the pitch from where you're um, commentating from. But that will change next season. But yeah, that was, that was good to go up and see and... Uh, Enjoyed it. Um, it's a lot harder, obviously, staying sober, watching the game and trying to trying to analyse it. But um, yeah, it was um, it was a good good little Friday night. Uh, right. So, are we all pleased that Air stayed up? Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd, I'd rather Morton went down, which may still happen. But yeah, um, Air's always going to wait. And I think it's a throwback in Somerset. We all, well, I know for a fact. Yeah, us four, us four, five have all had a great. Out there, so. I feel like we need to flag up um, another one of um, Sean Welsh's love balls again. Uh, careful now. Um, you know that that ball for Danny Mackay for the opening goal was superb. And okay, the pick slot quality is absolutely garbage. But one good thing is that you know, the way it isn't the way the camera is positioned in the stand, you could actually see that move developing long before the ball was actually played. And I think Welsh has been such a really big creative force for us further forward ever since McCann started pushing him further up the pitch, especially alongside Scott Allen as well. Um, he's been really good at kind of um, moving the ball across <clears throat> the front of um, the attack. And, um, you know, when he plays in uh, little chip balls like that, you can see some of the good stuff that can happen. So hopefully we see more of that from him next season. And with that, the much anticipated yet derided season 2021 disappeared into the history books. And years from now, football writers will look back and ask, so what was Pixelot? And we shall say, shh, do not speak of such things. Yeah, the night is alive. You can feel the heartbeat. Let's just go with the flow. We've been working all week. 
Soyo rubber bumpers. Spit that. Well, well. So let's summarise the act that was the truncated 2021 season. We didn't start till October. Three wins in the first six games against Arbroath, Wraith and Queens. 11 postponed matches and five games without a win before beating Ayr at Somerset. Robbo then takes his leave and Teddy McCann comes in. And it's six games without a win before four wins on the spin, two draws and unbeaten in seven league matches and then the county annihilation. I'm a fireball. We've come roaring out of the traps for a stonking win v Morton and then no wins in five to finish the season as the fireball fizzles out. But looking at it this way, at one point, we could have been playing League One ball. So taking all the variables from this highly unusual season into account, sum it up, boys. AY. I would like to think of it as a foundation-building season. But that kind of relies on two things. Firstly, just keeping the young boys uh, and the speed at which you know Dan McKay was snapped up suggests it might not be possible to keep the likes of McGregor and Harper because um, it's not going to take much from larger clubs budgets to be able to kind of prize them away and also on those players being able to take a clear step forward in terms of their ability to actually influence and kind of start to dominate and control games I mean I think Harper, McGregor, these Allardyce, Duffy, you know, for the first half of the season, all did really well. But can they actually step up and become the sort of players that, you know, that dominate games? Um, uh, but I'd like to think of it like that. You know, it's a nice model going forward. So my optimistic view is foundation building season that we kind of um, turn into something special next season. No, I agree with that. I think uh, looking more positively, I think I think yeah, the, I spoke about it before. The, the, the introduction of youth is good for hopefully keeping them for a few more seasons and yeah, you, you you look at the schedule with the games being called off. No one could have predicted that. But finishing fifth in a in a, in a topsy turvy season, I think I think it's decent. Could be better, but we could have been playing League, League One as you said earlier. So positive for me. Um, <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, we just weren't prolific enough in a lot of these games. Um, and whilst we only failed to score in four matches all season we tended to only score one or two goals in a lot of these, so we tended to drop a lot of points on the back of this. We kind of needed more games like that, 4-1 thrashing of Morton to kind of um, you know, boost our season, kill off opponents quicker. Um, and there was a, uh, when I was looking into it, there was a slightly strange pattern emerging. The importance of the first goal this season across the league was incredibly important. Um, we conceded the first goal in 14 of 27 of our games, and we only came back to win one of those matches. We drew something like eight, I think it was. So we sometimes came back to claim a point, but we very, very rarely turned it around. But that, that was the same across the league. Pretty much the team that scored first in any game this season went on to win the game. So um, I can reflect on this season in two different ways. One, what my experience of it was that I really enjoyed it. You know, 27 games in the league, 26 of them were competitive, you know, we interesting we cup run like I enjoyed almost you know completely emotionally involved in each game because they all mattered and and in that sense it's just the best league in the world there's no there's no doubt for just for actually maintaining important meaningful games throughout the season um and and I've got massive respect I'm given everything that went down as the season went on I've just got I've got huge respect for all the players and coaching staff and the way they conducted themselves, the the effort the players put into it, and the way the way things developed across the season, um, but but the other way of looking at it is a bit more coldly. You know, look back to how we felt at the start of the season, and did we fulfil our aims and expectations? 
did we fulfil our potential? Um, and I don't think we did. I don't think fifth place. I don't think fifth place is acceptable. Um, it's not what we wanted. It wasn't our aim. Robbo, Robbo's not around. wasn't around to to tell us where we are in the kind of budget table. As he's always, you know, he was always very keen to make it clear that he'd outperformed his his budget and finished a, above teams with higher budgets. Did we do that this season? I'm not sure we did. Um, now we're going to go on to the first of three exclusive interviews for the season review pod. Let's get the outgoing interim manager's view, um, Mr. Neil Terry McCann. Neil McCann, welcome to the Wine Shuffle. How you doing, mate? I'm good. Um, today I'm good. Uh, I'm still a wee bit disappointed, to say the least, Stevie, given the fact that we've not managed to uh, do where uh, their objective was, which was to uh, make the playoffs. So um, that's, it's got a large degree of disappointment. Um, still swimming around and uh, inside me, but on reflection, you know, uh, it's it's gone well of late, and I'm just really, I'm really still uh, quite disappointed for everybody connected with the club because uh, I still think we were more than good enough uh, to get there. And then when we were there, I was pretty confident we'd be more than good enough to achieve a big goal, which would be promotion. So yeah, a wee bit of a wee bit of a kind of uh, sadness still ringing around me here. No, I agree, and uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But we're going to go way back. It seems like months and months ago, the 23rd of February. Now, mm-hmm. that was uh, the day you got announced as coming in as interim manager. Um, I think we'd we played there on the Saturday and we'd, we'd heard after the game that Robbo was taking a step back. Mm-hmm. I know you know Scott for previous jobs and stuff. How, how did that come about? Was it pretty quickly with Scott on the phone after the uh, game? And- I, took, I, I took a phone call from Scott, but um, I was actually on my way to uh, do a, a game, a uh, punditry role, uh, doing a game. And at the time, I, I listened to Scott and... Uh, I said I would come back to him. Um, I'd need to consider what he had said to me. Um, and then I did consider it while doing my job and then came back to him and, and said that the only way that I would take this further was, you know, speaking to John himself. Because if I was going to be doing this job, I had a lot on, to be honest, uh, Stevie. I had an awful lot on my plate, various things. And um, probably timing-wise, it wasn't ideal. But when when you take a call like that um, and, and it's about a... A situation that is uh, quite sensitive, and and it's it's clearly one of your old teammates. Then you need to consider it. So, spoke to John. Um, he had to understand from our perspective that I wasn't doing this to to try and lay any foundations for myself. That he was fully confident, fully comfortable that I was coming in here just to help out until he was well again. And um, yeah, then I then I had to make a decision, which, uh, as you know, I'm still wearing the covers, so I, I made the I made the decision to come. How difficult is that moving with your family at short notice and having to move your life essentially up the road for a, a short period? I must admit, I've not seen Inverness probably in its, uh, all its glory, uh, given the fact of where we are in life with the COVID restrictions. But um, starting to loosen up, maybe a wee bit too late. And maybe maybe it's a good thing it's, it's been shut down. Um, but I love Inverness. The, the short time I've been here and the times that I've been before, uh, I've got a good feeling about the place. I think the club itself, um, there's a lot of great people within the club that I've found uh, over my time here. Really, really well-structured club. Um, I think it's actually going places for what it's worth. I think there's a lot of brilliant ideas behind 
uh, the scenes that are ongoing that's going to make Inverness hopefully stronger and um, and be able to push uh, up the division and get into the Premiership very, very soon. I've been in a lovely place. The club uh, got me somewhere to stay, which has helped uh, to make me comfortable. Um, and as I said, everybody surrounding me at the club made it very, very welcoming and allowed me to come in and do my job. You know some of the players at Vinny, obviously you managed them at Dundee, but how did you... As a, as a whole, how, how did you find the boys were and um, had you seen much of it over the last uh, six months or year? I'd seen bits and pieces. Um, I have to be honest, I hadn't seen an awful lot this season before I, I took the job. I knew a number of players because I always like to keep across things. Um, football's all leagues and um, even for working with them in Fernland, with Jim Jeffries, I always had an eye on lower league stuff. So my job as a pundit and... Uh, and, and someone who regularly speaks about football, you have to know what's what. But I didn't have an intimate knowledge, which is always difficult when you're coming into a club as a manager. You need to, it's really important. It's not just all about physicality. It's the mental side. And you, need to, you need to engage characters. You need to get personalities. Uh, and you need to try and get a handle on it very quickly. That wasn't easy. Because I wasn't just taking over a side on my own steam. I was just just holding the reins for somebody. So uh, that, that in itself provided me with a lot of difficulties. But... It's been good. I just I think it's a brilliant bunch of boys. I maybe took us a wee bit of time to get going. The Hearts result was good. Um, and we were a wee bit up and down at first. And I was still trying to search what would work for the team. Uh, I was still trying to search and find out personalities, what they could take, what they couldn't take, information that they would take on and other stuff that might go amiss. Uh, and eventually, we, we started to find our groove. Started to get to know the boys. They started to get to know me. And I think that was reflective in results. But the lack of the first couple of weeks up and down was the lack of training time. I think we spoke about it at the press yeah. conferences. You couldn't get on the pitch with them. It was yeah. was that was that a factor, or was it just the, the build up games didn't help no, us? No, listen, I think that was a, a huge factor. Any manager will tell you you want to go on the grass for the boys. And I've had a couple of conversations with a couple of guys today, just, just personal ones, just chatting to them about my time here. And um, that's one of the things that I, I'm a I'm a manager who likes to coach a lot. Um, and time on the grass is really important. Considering when things are not going well, uh, they can, it can probably be more so that you make sure that you're really putting the effort onto the training pitch because then it's reflective when you go into a game time. Mm-hmm. And we just haven't been able to do that. To be honest, I've probably coached about 25% of the time that I would like to have coached. Um, but unfortunately, that's just the hand that we were given. But uh, the, the messages were good. Uh, but it, it certainly hampered us because you have to then... A lot of work is done in your boat on a board. And football is a very visual and um, they like to get moved around on a pitch and we just haven't had time to do that so it's testament to them that they did eventually take on information on the whole the guys have been great I'd have loved more time on the grass with them but it, I just wasn't afforded that so I, want, I want to take you back to the your, your hometown team Morton that, that defeat at home and I think that was a, probably a turning point I think that, from my perspective I think after the game a few experienced boys have come out and said that words were shared as a manager in that situation do you do you just shut the door and maybe let them butt heads together or is it a bit of... There's a wee bit of both. I think you have to you have to let them go at it sometimes but that was a moment, that was a big moment for me because um, I knew then that I had to do something different uh, because it, the, the, the group themselves needed more help and as a manager you have to identify that and say, right, is it just uh, they're not good enough or do you need to be better? and information you're passing and do something that's going to help the group. And I think as a manager, you should always be that that, sec, that latter one where it's about, right, I need to do something for the group. I need to help them more. I need to do something different. 
and uh, and it worked. But that was a moment after that Morton game because we 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 were up. I thought, although we drew the game against Hearts, we were good. Then we were down. We lost against Dundee. We were really poor. And then draw against Arrow, which probably should have won in second half reflection. And then really poor against Morton. And that maybe is reflective of the whole maybe start of the season because they just have been stop start stop start. But then I needed to address that. Um, we were able and were lucky enough to add Billy to the squad, which helped the dynamic of the squad, the group, and that helped us without question. But uh, I think we, we did some real solid work. We tweaked a few things, but everything else, confidence comes from winning games of football. And we went on a run by doing that and becoming a real solid unit, enjoying each other's company, being a team. Um, and that's why we enjoyed so much success in that period. Mm-hmm. Did you see anything in particular from Morton? I mean, it's a short period of time from Morton to race over the Friday. What, what happened? Was it the conversation or...? I changed how we played. Okay. Changed how we played. Tweaked how we played. Um, and a few messages within that. Um, but out of possession, we never really changed. It was with possession, we, we sort of changed a wee bit. I just, I just um, tweaked it a little bit. Spoke to Barry and Ryan and as a group... Um, and then I just changed this, and I think it did help us. Uh, we should have won. I remember Welsh hit the post, Roddy McGregor's chance and stuff. But listen, they, it's that that was a turning point. And then Billy came in and then go and beat them, and then beat them firmly. And then some brilliant times, I have to say, some really really high highs. <laughs> but I must admit, I've, I've 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 not enjoyed. I've experienced some very very low lows. Obviously, it's an outsider coming in. First derby up there, but you've been in plenty of derbies bigger than yeah. this one. How, how, how important for you guys to to play well in that game, get a result for the fans, for the boys? And but what you say is big, uh, bigger than this one. It's not bigger to the people it's important to. It's, that, that's just as big, you know. That and I, I, I respect that. Um, so I understood that the importance of the tie. But I was hungry to win it. I was hungry for my side to go and perform and I believed in them. And I think that's always what you've got to do. You've got to believe in players and their team that you're good enough. Uh, that if you're on it mm-hmm. and you're doing the things that you're uh, told to do and then you're, you're brave enough to go and express yourself and and, uh, and do what you're good at um, without any fear when you've got the ball, then you know you can win games of football. And, and they did it that night and I thought they were comfortable as well. They'll say themselves they were comfortable. Um, so that was a brilliant experience for a for a coaching team um but the players that it was almost a tangible reward of their hard work when they go together and show how good a team they can be so that was a great night to give that to the fans a real shame that nobody was in the ground to watch it but hopefully everybody watching it on on the tv or on the laptops or whatever portal they're watching it on medium then they then they really felt proud of their side because um, that's, that's what we always set out to do make, their, uh, make fans proud of their team Is that, in your opinion, probably the best performance in, in your tenure? Uh, it was a really great performance I thought we were excellent against St Mirren mm-hmm. I thought we were really, really good against St Mirren we should have won the game definitely should have won the game in my opinion um, I thought their family were brilliant you said it there, Wraith Rovers really solid um, at times there's been different performances for different reasons where we've had to dig in and, uh, and get results and um, show a lot of character at times. But yeah, the, the, the Ross County performance was superb, comfortable. Mm-hmm. But I thought the St Mirren performance, although we lost the game, was was brilliant. I mean, we created a number of opportunities against a very, very good side. A side that should have been top six and they're now in their second semi-final. 
you must get a lot of credit. I mean, not just you. I mean, I think you've turned a lot of players around. I think I see a different a different appetite in a few players I never saw before Christmas. Um, see, to be honest, Stevie, I'm, I'm pleased at how well the boys have come on because that's something... I was just talking to one of the players. Your job as a manager and a coach is trying to make players better. Try and get results, first and foremost. But try and make players better. And um, if the fans think that I've... Uh, with the coaching along with the coaching team have improved some of the players then then that's a big plus for me um, I think they have improved for what it's worth as a manager I've seen an improvement within them a progression um, and it was very short termism because I knew I wasn't in here for uh, any longer than this this season maximum it could have only been a month but it did go to the end of the season mm. um, so my job is to try and improve them but get them into a position where John could take them back over again I wished Still wish dearly that it could have been in the playoffs and we could have then gone on and done something very special, but it wasn't to be. Um, am I proud of my achievements? I, I don't think I'll, I'll say anything on that just now because ultimately I failed. Um, I'm very highly driven and and I came up short. And I will reflect on what I did in the early part, whether I can maybe change something sooner. Um, and I'll reflect on different decisions that I maybe made within it. I think you must do that as a coach, but Listen, if, if, if the fans are pleased with where they finish, then uh, then I suppose there's a there's a positive there. But um, in my opinion, we just came up short. No, no, I think I think I agree. I'd, I'd love to be sitting talking about playoffs in a couple of weeks' time. But I think it's the way we played as well, which the fans agreed with, yeah. wasn't it? We we, 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 we I'm not saying we were doing fine. That's the wrong way of saying it. But we played the right way, and we went about went about it right. Well, way. the right way sometimes is, is winning games that some manager will tell you. But I, I wanted to have a, an aggressive streak in us to go and attack. I think mm-hmm. I always want my teams to attack. Um, if I had time, would I play the type of football totally that I've been playing? No, I, I, but it's, I just you don't have time to coach a certain way. It was, I said that you don't have that luxury. Um, but I wanted to be solid out of possession, hard to break down, hard to score against. And that goes with the whole team. You, I think you'll see from the front line, we worked really hard to stop people coming through to get to the back line. Um, so it was a first line of defence there. But actually, when we won the ball, I wanted the boys to be really brave as I said, not of any fear, wide players, not of any fear losing the ball. That's our job. That's our job as a wide player. Strikers to get in the box, midfielders to take risks. So if I if I hit that that balance of uh, of being good to watch for the fans, then then I'm pleased about that because that was definitely an aim. Is this spell giving you a man the manager a bug back? Um, are you doing uh, that path or do you want to get back to the old days? I know, I've got no I've got, I've got no, um, I've got no desire to, to go hunting jobs just now. Um, I'm really comfortable in what I was doing. Uh, I've never lost a bug for management or coaching or football. It'll never leave me. Is there anything you like to say to fans about your time up here and uh, how you've enjoyed your time at the club? Yeah, just uh, listen, I, I know the fans have not been visible, but I, I like to thank them for the support that they've given the club uh, while I'm here. And you do hear wee bits and pieces. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure they've been tuning in and, and maybe paying their virtual money to watch us on screen. And I would just like to make sure that their, their, their support is, a, is continued because it's a brilliant club, I have to say. Um, the short time I've been here, I've loved it. I really uh, hope that I can come back and enjoy a couple of games when the fans do come back um, because I have enjoyed my time here. And as I said, if I've made the team a wee bit better in my time uh, that I have been here, maybe improve some players that will go on and hopefully entertain them some more, then I'll be quite pleased about that. Well, I can, I'm can. i speaking myself and most fans anyway. I say, let's thanks for, for firstly coming up. And uh, I think we needed a leader at that time. And it was uh, it was good to see you come in. And uh, 
Thanks for the moments and uh, yeah, yeah. There's been some nice, there's been some nice times, Stevie, um, and there's been some kind of poorer times. But on the whole, hopefully, I look back on this and a wee bit of experience with a smile on my face and think it was, it wasn't a bad, uh, it wasn't a bad couple of months. Okay, uh, Neil McCann there. It wasn't a bad couple of months. Some really high highs and some real, some very low lows. Ultimately, I failed. I'm very highly driven and I came up short. Everybody, put away your hankies. He's not going to be the manager, which is more as a pity given the way he's spoken there. He said nothing beats being involved in football, um, but that, and I quote, I've got no desire to go hunting jobs just now. Has the condensed nature and the ups and downs of this short spell in charge from McCann really taking it out of him, do we think? No, I, I don't. I, I, I still think he'll. Get, I mean, I, I still think that with the Dunfermline job coming up, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if I see Neil McCann going in there. I think logistically, I think he he, he loved it in Inverness, and he, he said that in the interview. But he's got a lot of stuff down in the central belt. He's he's doing a degree, as he said. He's he's got some media stuff, and I think this there's a no there's a no lose for McCann taking the job. I mean, he, he came in and. He done better than I thought he would. I mean, I, I don't think we were all shooting for Neil McCann to get the job, but I mean, I've been more than impressed with Neil McCann, and he speaks well. He's got he's got love for the area now. He's got love for the team that he never had before, and he's he certainly. If anyone asked Neil McCann if they if they should move to Inverness, he said it in the interview. I would I would I'd advise him to go up there, but I'll, he'll be he'll be in management soon. I think he will, and uh, it's just unfortunate it won't be it won't be with us. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll need to hold my hands up. You know, I wasn't overly enamoured um, when I heard that McCann had been appointed um, and I'm not going to pretend otherwise because anyone can just go through my Twitter timeline or, or post some pie and bottle they'll find that out quite quite early uh, quite um, quite easily um, so um, I think you need to give McCann and Dodds um, credit for their impact um, on the side in a short space of time and in pretty difficult circumstances as well um, you know it's not kind of been easy for them to come in um, given what was happening at the club so I think uh, they deserve a lot of respect and um yeah, certainly earn my earn my admiration for sure. Let's ask the hard question. You know, we're we're paid no money to ask the hard questions, so let's ask him. And there's a lot of talking points from this interview, but the one that stands out uh, is after the Morton game. If he changes the, changes the system before then, before that five six games, do we make the playoffs? Ay. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the thing was, as you say, you're saying if he changes it before then, he shouldn't have started it. That's the point. You know, he shouldn't have done it in the first place. As it was, he starts it, so he, he wants to commit to it to two or three games. I'll give him a chance to learn it. So whether he had changed it before the Morton game, you know, just before that one other game, you're still asking us to win. It'd probably be something like eight out of 11 games to make sure we make the playoffs, including that Morton game. And then that would assume that we still went on and we, we still got the draw out three scores and then beat Wraith Rovers, beat Dunfermline, beat blah, 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 sort of thing. Um, I don't know. The, the point is... I'm glad he did change it. He wasn't so stubborn as to keep going and keep going and keep going. He left it slightly late, you know. Um, maybe, maybe two games before that might have made a difference. I don't know. But, but the point is, he should have been pragmatic from the start. At least he's held his hands up and acknowledged that. And I think that's, you know, that's probably a, you know, that that's a point in his favour. I think. Okay. Well, regard, regardless of that, you know, I think we are splitting hairs a little bit. He has done a great job in the circumstances. Let's talk about the tune that he's got out of two guys, one of which is definitely not going to be in a 
a, bl- a blue and red shirt next season, and one of which is probably not going to be in a blue and red shirt next season. That's Dan Mackay and, and Todorov. Who wants to who wants to kick off about young Dan? Uh, again, I'll I'll hold my hands up and say, I mean, after the the Hearts game at home, um, I, I I was starting to think maybe it's just not going to happen for 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 Danny. Um, because, I mean, he's, he's only 20, which compared to us is pretty young. But I think in football terms nowadays, I think you really need to be doing a lot more at that age. So I was starting to wonder, maybe, you know, he hadn't really done too much at Elgin. So I was starting to think, maybe it's just not going to happen for the kid. And then, I mean, bloody hell, out of nowhere, I mean, that the run of form from what, maybe end of February, start of March, for the last, what, two, two and a bit months of the season. I'm, I'm struggling to think of a, a Inverness player in recent seasons who's hit that kind of form because it's just yeah. stunning. Absolutely yeah. stunning. And you could see the, the kind of increase in confidence in this game. You know, you, you were talking earlier, we talked earlier about obviously the Ross County game. That that was a game where he just absolutely owned them. I mean, the, the, the second goal, you know, like that was all Danny McKay. Obviously, it was a lovely ball out from Carson, but everything about it was just brilliant. And, um, you know, any game after that, he just thought he was going to score any time he got the ball. He was just so aggressive. And, I mean... I'll be interested to see how he does at Hibs, because um, they're going to obviously have Boyle on one side, him on the other. Um, I mean, good good luck to the guy. And as I said at the start, it's it's almost a good thing for us. It's not nice to see a young, promising talent leave. But the likes of Roddy McGregor, Robbie Dees, they should be looking at and thinking, do you know what, if I can hit a similar kind of um, bit of form, even yeah. just for a few months, I could get a good move. And it's good for the club as well, because they can yeah. hopefully... You know, sell it, sell the club even more. You know, to like you know, young players who've maybe been left on the football scrap heap. You know, by Aberdeen Rangers, Celtic, whoever it may be, come to us, get a good run of form going, and you know, you can end up at Hibs, um, Aberdeen, or something, earn us a bit of money on the side as well. Let's let's go on to Toddy Ay. Um, his development as a player this season, especially in the last run of games, um, culminating in some of those amazing strikes that he got. Yeah, it's harder, I think, with Toddy than with Dan to see what McCann said to him to sort of just make the difference. I think he was holding his position better. You know, I think you used to see him kind of like being a wee bit of a headless chicken, sort of kind of like dropping too deep to try and get the ball and whatever. Whereas he just seemed to be, you know, a kind of staying on the shoulder of the of, of the defenders and kind of like just being a bit more combative, trying to win it on the edge of the box or whatever. Um, I don't know what how to account for his confidence, you know, in terms of striking. You know, some of the finishes were absolutely phenomenal. You know, yeah, yeah, a few good, you know, a few good finishes last season, but um, you know, other times he just looked a bit weak, a bit uncertain, and it was just like he seemed to grow in stature, he seemed to get stronger, he seemed to have some more confidence, and I don't know if that's being told where to where to stand on the pitch, where it be in the pitch, or whether it's being kind of just told you're a good player, go out and do it, whether it's just a kind of a, a emotional thing, I'm not sure, but either way. You know, it worked. It worked really well. You know, maybe someone else got better. Well, Alan coming in helped. I mean, in my opinion, only boys, so he can shoot me down. But I think when Scott Allen came in, we had a sort of proper number ten. And if you watch the pitch, he was talking to Toddy all the time, saying like, "You move in there." So maybe, maybe that's the direction he needed. Just because I always felt before Scott Allen came in that the gap from midfield to striker was massive. You know, so maybe having someone a bit closer could maybe help him sort of manoeuvre a little well, bit. It's just a shame, we'll finish off on Toddy there, it's just a shame that I think the goal that um, Siv was waxing lyrical about, the chest and volley against Morton, I think that that is the goal that gets him his move, unfortunately, to either the Premier League or somebody in our division who pays more money or perhaps England. But going back to Neil McCann, um, he came in, he proved a lot of people wrong, he proved a lot of people right, he did himself a power of good. Um, so... If you ever listen to this, Neil, thanks very much. Great job in difficult circumstances. 
the short time with the club and you'll be well remembered by the support. But will he be well remembered by the players? We spoke finally making his shuffle debut after three seasons to club captain Sean Welsh. Sean, welcome to the pod. Uh, first things first, are you glad the season's over? Yes, uh, yes and no, I suppose. Uh, obviously, I would still love to be in the playoffs at the moment. Um, but it's obviously a difficult season for us all, so it's good to see the back at the same time. Um, so I suppose you've got to take the good with the bad and see the back of a difficult season. But as I say, I would still love to be playing in the playoffs right now. Was this one of the more difficult seasons you've ever been involved in? You're 31 now, you've, you've played for a few clubs. How did this season compare to other ones that you've played? Yeah, it's probably been the most difficult season I've had in football. Um, obviously, you go back to the very start of the pandemic, then you're you're given five, six months and you've got to keep yourself fit and run roads and do what you can to stay fit. Um, and then you look at it for that sense, that's well over a year, non-stop. Um, considering I started keeping myself fit in March and then the season just ended. Um, you'll not you'll not play many longer seasons, even though it was the shortest season. So it's a bit a bit mad. Um, and again, that's one of the, the reasons that I'm glad to see the back yet. I probably did need a wee break, um, a couple of weeks rest because I've been going pretty hard since the start of the pandemic, um, right up until the end of the season. Well, we finished just I think it was three points off the playoffs. Um, given that we were, you know, second bottom at one point, is is that looked on by the players as, as sort of a relative success in a way, or were you just we all just genuinely disappointed at not making the playoffs the top four? It's one of them. Obviously, when we were in that situation, we were second bottom, and all our games in hand had kind of slipped away. You you realise that we could be in a bit a bit of bother here. Um, so that to then, if you looked, if you had said to us then, right, we'll give you his fifth, we'd have snapped your hand off and been happy with that. But when you go and put a good run of wins together like we've done and you put yourself in, back in the contention and you're right in pole position to make the playoffs, it then becomes a better pill to swallow in the end. And I would probably say the overall factor was disappointment that we never got there. But I think when you take it in the context, it was success from where we had ended up after all the um, games to then get ourselves way, way out of that danger zone and at the safety. Well, at the start of the season, there was a lot of injuries, obviously. Everyone kept coming back from pre-season quite late. And I think a lot of the young boys were, were forced into the first team. And I think a lot of the boys that the club signed were, were pretty young as well. How do you think you know they fared when you when you were watching on? How did you think they, they got on in that early part of the season? Obviously, it was difficult because you, you were looking up into the stand in the first three, what, three, four, five, six weeks of the season. And you had probably an experienced starting eleven sitting in the stand injured. And now stems back for probably a very cr- uh, crammed in pre-season. We were probably back too late um, and boys picked up muscle injuries and stuff because of the, the rush pre-season. Um, but as you say, the young boys got chucked in and I thought they'd done brilliantly. Um, they more than held their own. And I remember watching Air at home and we drew one wall and we absolutely destroyed Air that day with, the young, with a young team. Um, so the boys stood up to the challenge brilliant. And I think it shows that Roddy really established his cell. Dan goes and gets his cell a move. So the young boys did kick on this season and fair play to them because 
that are, they were a good they're a good young group. You talked about Neil McCann coming in. When you heard the news that Robbo was stepping down, how did that how did that affect the squad? Did you know what was happening? Like as captain, did you have to speak to the boys or like feel like you needed to take more responsibility at the time or anything like that? Yeah, it was very difficult. It's something obviously I've never encountered in football before. And we had no idea to be honest. We we were here away on the Saturday and the Sunday I kind of got the heads up that Robbo might be having a little time off because he needed it. Um, so it was a difficult situation. And but we footballers that are used to dealing with stuff, and you just you just adapt and deal with what's put in front of you. Um, so we had to do that, but it was wasn't it an easy situation. And obviously, we felt for the gaffer that he needed he needed to go and do what he needed to do, have some time um, to make himself better. And so. We were, our thoughts were with him at the time, um, but we had to adapt to the situation and keep going and pushing on. What about McCann coming in? Had you heard uh, good things uh, or bad things from boys that had like played played for him for the in the past at Dundee or anyone? I never obviously really knew. I had never came across like I I knew who he was because he's he's friends with my old manager Jackie McNamara at Partick, and I've come across him a couple of times and he seemed like a nice guy. Um, before obviously I knew anything about him. Um, and Vinny had worked with him at Dundee, but Vinny never said too much um, when he came in. So it was just a freshness um, when he came in, and he's he was enthusiastic and very energetic towards the job. And he only wanted to come in and try and push us on uh, and help us to achieve playoffs if possible. But obviously, we knew at that stage that we, we were in a diff- difficult situation. Um, so it was a different it was a different voice, um, but he gave a bit of energy, enthusiasm and positivity towards the the push to get ourselves back into a better position. So when he comes in, he did he talked he talks with us about implementing this sort of passing out from the back game. I think we talked before about him sort of wanting you to play this almost like weird quarterback role where you split the centre halves. So we've played like five or six games like that and, and I don't think we got a win. Was that really difficult to implement then? I think it was difficult to implement in the situation we were in at the time. Um and when you have a look at it, the championships, a difficult league, um, and the pitches we were in the midst of winter, and the pitches weren't great. Um, and to try and implement that overnight is difficult. Um, obviously, we have good players, but just to try and implement the the way we were playing before to then change overnight, it was difficult. Um, and we didn't, we never really grasped it well enough to stick with it. Um, and I think Neil Sale obviously realised in the end that. We weren't getting results from it and it wasn't really working, so we had to change. The pitches aren't great in Scotland at that time, so it is difficult to drop in and get the ball for the goalie and play total football for the back. That's not making excuses because we're football players and we should be able to take the ball. Um, but I just think there was a, a few factors at the time that it never really worked. Was there any harsh words said after the Morton game? I know it's been talked about. Kind of just had, I wasn't, it wasn't harsh words. I just had to have a chat with the boys and just had to make everyone realise that yeah. we were in a better situation. And everyone was probably looking at us at that time saying they're on the slippery slope and they could be in trouble. And people yeah. were just constantly saying, oh, they've got games in hand, Inverness will be fine, they'll be in the playoffs. And that can, that can be a bit of a problem as it proved that we, we never picked up the results we wanted for the games in hand. And then, we end up second bottom of the league after we lose to Morton that yeah. night. And and it was just important to make sure that everyone realised that we're in a bit of problem, we're in a bit of bother now. Um teams would love to see us fail and go down as one of the so called bigger clubs that should be in the playoffs in the championship. But having that chat was good because there was no harsh words. We have got a young dressing room, so there's no point in 
yeah, fighting with each other and stuff. It doesn't really work these days. Yeah. Maybe uh, I phrased that. Maybe I phrased that wrong. Maybe it's like maybe it was more it was a more outlining, not harsh words and like slagging anyone, but more suggesting. Look, this is a harsh, harsh environment that we put ourselves in. We are in a relegation battle. Was it more like that? Yeah, it was. It was, and it was just to make people aware that there was people's jobs on the line yeah. all over the club. Um, and people with families and stuff. So everyone had just had to be made aware of the severity of the situation. And I think that we got a real positive outlook for, uh, outcome for that chat. We just kind of realised that where we were, we changed the style of play that we were we were playing at that time. And we seemed to really kick on for there. Um, and thankfully we did because we needed it at the time. It was just a case of going back to basics, to be honest. That definitely was a catalyst for the season where we, where we changed that night. Um, being safer... Out, out, being safer in possession and being solid out of possession. So it was a case of kind of not taking as many risks, not playing as many short, dangerous passes in our own half. So it was just a case of Neil saying that, right, let's be sensible. Let's do what let's do what most of the teams in the league are doing. Let's be safe in possession in our own halves. Let's not take chances and get it forward. And I think he got a right um, reaction for the boys in terms of work uh, work rate that made a huge difference if you've got 10 men bursting their balls for each other um, in this league you will get results and I think that's how we end up starting to get them yes four wins on the spin I think two draws unbeaten in seven matches and then then the county game great result because obviously I think we weren't aware at the time but we hadn't beat county in a, in a long time um, over there Um so going over there, but as I say, we gave ourselves that confidence for the results in the league. And we went over there with confidence that we could win. Um, and I think on the night, we implemented that confidence onto the park. And you've seen that. Even, thankfully, we do go a goal down, but we, we quickly got a goal back, which was massive. I think if we had let them settle on their goal, it then becomes a harder game. But getting that goal right away gave us the confidence to then kick on and, and win the game. And it was a massive result at the time. Um it was a great lift for everyone up here. Were you happy with your own performance this towards the season? Because it looked like you were absolutely taking every game by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, I think so. Um, the start of the season was a bit bitty for me. Um, missed the odd game here or there with a little niggle. And then obviously having all the games, I don't, don't think people were aware of how, how difficult it was having all these games cancelled. We weren't getting as much training as we would have liked either with the weather yeah. up here. We only have Fort George. We, don't, we didn't have the use of the indoor facility over at County, so... We weren't getting as much training. We probably weren't being, being able to keep as sharp as we'd have liked. So even going into all the games in hand, we probably weren't at the at the, at the peak where we'd like to be. And someone asked me, a reporter asked me after the county game, you seem to be getting better the more games are thrown at you. But I'd say to them, I think we're starting to hit a peak now because we're starting to hit a rhythm. I think we lacked a little bit in terms of fitness and sharpness um, with all the cancellations. And then at the start of that run of games... And then once we started to get the fitness and the running games behind us, we kind of started to peak. Um, and I felt like that was the same for my personal performance and season in general. Did you have any personal preference about who you, you were more happier playing with in the middle of the park? Obviously, you hadn't played with Ardice before. Roddy was getting a lot of game time. Was it just a case of you sort of using your experience to help them more than anything? Yeah, that's it. Obviously, I'm just happy to play with any of them. They're good football players. Um so you can, they're easy to play beside um, and the young boys are enthusiastic. So it's easy for me at the end of the day. I've just got to go in there and try and be the sensible head. And but um, Do you tell them they've got to do your running for you? 
Well, can I tell Scott Allardyce that because he's a lazy. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't like running. He just likes looking after the ball. To be fair to him, but um, Roddy will more than do my running for me. He'll uh, cover everybody glass well, ten Dave, times over. Davy Carson as well. Do you sell bunny? Aye, uh, Davy Carson's got some energy as well, um, and I think that was a big, big part of our season as well. Moving Davy right back, um, as much as good midfielder, he's got all the attributes to be very good at right back, and I think we've seen that. Um, so that that seemed to be a success as well for putting Davy out there yeah, just with his energy and stuff so what about next season um, it's only a few weeks to the season starts again you're back in training how many weeks off do you get this is probably the longest I want to say the longest break I've had for a few years now because obviously not making the playoffs we were finished for the, the start of May and we're back on the 10th of June I think we start back pre-season so six weeks um, that's probably the longest I've had because you're normally either in playoffs or whatnot. Um, you're not finishing until mid to end of May and then you're back mid-June. So you're normally getting a month max. So six weeks this summer, um, can't complain at that. I've had two had two weeks complete rest and that's me started up my close season programme again. Not Nothing nothing daft, just trying to get myself ready for the start of pre-season and keep myself ticking at the moment. You played for Park when they went up to the Premier for the first time in like 2013. Um, they won the league, I think, last season. Do you think that this, the group that we've got is is that far away from that level of player in terms of, you know, the opportunity to mount a challenge to win a league? As, a, as we've said, we've got a good group of young boys here that are good footballers as well. So it's just adding one or two and trying to, as you said, everyone's got another year under their belt. Um and if it's just about getting a good start, see if you can get a good start and put yourself in a good position. It's all about the confidence for there. Yeah. So I think we, on our day, we beat anyone in the league, as we've proved over the last three years that I've been here. But it's all about just getting a bit of confidence at the start of the season and getting a good start. And if we can do that, I think we've got a great chance of pushing on. Yeah, agree. Um, just final, final one for you. Any message for the fans regards this season and, and coming back next year when they'll, they'll hopefully be in the grounds again any message from yourself from the skipper yeah we just obviously love to see the fans back um, they were missed missed the atmosphere at the stadium and thanks for their support for home um, I bet it's been difficult for you guys not being able to attend the games it's been difficult for us not having you there sometimes you need that that wee lift when you're needing that extra push on the park so thanks again for the support of the fans and obviously I hope to see you back next season because we need Sean Welsh there taking time out of his uh, rare few weeks off to chat to us. He's not on social media. I did just actually bump into him in a beer garden in Musselburgh. A nice chap, and he likes a gin. So Sean touched on an interesting point, saying even though it was a shorter season, you'll not play, not, uh, you'll not play much longer seasons. <laughs> is, is, is that forgotten about? Is that another variable we sort of forget about? I wrote that quote down as well, because it's so ridiculous. Actually, word for word, it's uh, you're yeah. not playing many longer seasons, even though it was the shortest season. <laughs> it just looks funny on its own, but it's a fair point. point because he, he, I think he said to him off that he was basically... He was keeping himself fit since March, wasn't he? And I don't yeah. obviously when the season was um, cut short, the player didn't know right away that that was going to be the end of the season. So yeah, you forget that. Yeah, he's been he's been knocking his pan in for a full year, and uh, I get his point. But yeah, it was quite funny to hear yeah. said that. he's having to keep himself. Yeah, he, talk, but he, he talks about all the variables. But let, let, let's call the variables right now on our, our hands. You know, we got we got the. Um, do we have to do it on our hand? Well, we've got the shortened pre-season. We've got the um, we've got the number of games cancelled. We've got the amount of injuries that we had, 
and we've got the amount of games we had to play in a short space of time at the end of the season. There's four variables that most teams didn't have. Okay, but okay, most teams didn't have the others, but they did have this one. But I can say that that contributes to I see what you mean. It contributes to. I mean, it probably contributes to the general tired nature of a lot of the games that you saw towards the end of the season from all the teams. You know, I think you know there were you know both the Queens games, Martin games, or both Hull games. A lot of it, you know, it looked a wee bit desperate, you know, from both sides, you know, and that might just be, you know, players that hadn't really had a proper summer. Um, but yeah, I take your point about the fact that we had all these, we had all these other things as well. But once he got going, he was excellent, and he speaks really well there. You know, he, he clearly yeah. thinks about the game. Yeah. You know, he's he seems like really level-headed, yeah. really sensible kind of captain to have, and an yeah. experienced person to have around. I sort of changed my opinion, thinking is he really captain material? But speaking to a few of the boys that played with him, like Sean Rooney raves about him, he's a great captain, and uh, yeah, I think he's maybe one of these quiet leaders in the dressing room, and maybe doesn't shout in the park, but. Yeah, he's, he's, he's had a great season, and I think we all spoke in this pod. I can believe a few months in, our, our sentiment full partnership was McGregor and Aldice. You've never seen that coming. What about um, Robbo taking time, time off? He describes that as something I've never encountered in football before. I mean, he's 31. He, he's been around at a few clubs. It's, I mean, not, not many clubs, but you know, he's been around for a while. Is this something we think will become more common? We talked a bit about, about grief in previous pods, but you know, maybe is this about maybe football having a wee bit more humanity about it in like the modern age? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's been on. You know, it's been happening more and more recently. You know, in the last few seasons, you've seen more of it. Uh, people sort of awareness of other people's vulnerability. People are being more aware that sort of man up culture is actually really harmful. Yeah, um, that sort of refusal to tolerate people being mocked for their mental health. Uh, do you remember Reynold Leary, I think, spoke out about um, some of the treatment he'd had when he mentioned having depression, and he was very, very sympathetically received, and there were good write-ups in the papers about it. So I think it's it's already very much something that people are more aware of. One of the things you're seeing, obviously, at the moment is a backlash. Your, your, your usual sort of social media troll that's kind of talking about how footballers are too soft nowadays and so on and so forth. But I think the humanity will win out. Um, Part, you know, reactionaries will eventually just crawl back under their stone, and I think I think we are definitely in a situation where people understand that more. Uh, and also, one one other reason is that there's a legal duty of pastoral care at football and sport at all levels now, which will ensure that that sort of thing is taken more seriously. So I, I think we're definitely on the right on the right track in that respect. The old macho caveman thing—it doesn't work anymore. I mean, people are more willing to open up, and I think the club done well. And as Ay said, we've got a duty of care to our employees that. We need to look after them, and I mean, footballers are footballers, but they're humans at the end of the day, aren't they? Like like we are. So, fair play. I think the the macho caveman is holding up quite well on this very podcast. <laughs> looking, around, looking around the screen, yeah. really gnawing <laughs> a bone as he delivered that one. <laughs> I got that just from him that yeah, people rely on a wage that that, that can't help the situation. So, and, and I mean, non-footballing staff. I mean, there's people there that rely on a month to month wage like we all do in this podcast and I think some players have to realise that it's not just about the pitch it's about the club as a whole and if we get relegated if we had to get relegated then people would get they would lose jobs that's the fact of it isn't it yeah I think he spoke really really well about that it was it was, it was really straightforward you know really to the point you just imagine him kind of getting that across to the players and, and getting the basics down and I thought that was, that was very very sort of admirable I also like the way he spoke about the way that they changed the, 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 I was going to use the word philosophy, but it's the point, the way they changed the, the, sort of man, the manner of play. He said, safer in possession, more solid out of possession, do what most of the other teams are doing. Now, I don't know if that's a lift from McCann, 
or if that's Welsh's way of paraphrasing it. But I think it's at that stage in the season, a real relief to hear that, that sort of do the basics, do the basics right sort of thing, rather than sort of airy-fairy stuff about, I want my boys to play football the right way, you know, I've got a philosophy sort of thing. I'm not going to want to parrot. So, you know, someone like John Hughes, for example, who did that with players that were capable of doing it. But um, you don't want to hear that at that time of the season. And um, whether that was Welsh's paraphrase of McCann or exactly what McCann said, it's a relief. And I think that those principles are probably good principles to start next season with and then build on it and start to get a bit more flair when we know that the team are capable of doing those basics. OK, well, we've heard from the manager, we've heard from the captain. Let's hear it from a chap who hasn't had his problems to seek in this most unusual of seasons. Stevie chatted with CEO Scott Gardner. Uh, season's over, didn't want it to be, but um, now that it is, um, it feels it feels like, you know, I, I imagine it, it feels the same as when you've just run a marathon and you you get that sort of collapse over the line and get a cold drink. It's, um, it was, a, it was, a, it was, although it was a shortened season, it was a long and tough one. It's been horrible watching it behind closed doors. And you don't want to say that to anyone because they say, well, you're bloody lucky. You were able to go and see all the games. I'm telling you, it's horrible. It was not pleasurable. The Ross County game was phenomenally pleasurable. It would have been 10 times more so if all our fans had been behind the goal and our corporate guests would have been all around us and everyone going nuts. Beating them, which obviously means more for all, for all sorts of different reasons, was, was just... But, it, but that was about the only time where it was enjoyable. Getting Neil McCann in, I know you, you'd worked with Neil before, but... How quickly did that come about? How difficult was it to convince them to come up? And yeah, how, how stressful was it for you as you and the board to go it was, it was a it was a horrible, horrible time. Never never encountered anything like it. But it was hor- there was no wor- other words for it other than it was horrible. We were extremely worried uh, about uh, John and Scott as as people, as our colleagues, um, and and, uh, and as our friends. We once we realised the situation, um, Scott had gone first. When we realised the situation with John, which was, uh, I spoke to John the night before the Air United game, and we knew what was going to happen at that stage. And uh, I then sat with the chairman and said to him, this is the situation. And I said, I've got four names, a one, two, three, four. Um, and the two of us were probably still in a state of shock. Being honest, so we're not going to try and be smart after the fact. We were both you know, like, "What are we going to do here? We've got a, we've got a, a duty of care to the people who work here, to the players, to the staff, to the management." Uh, I said to him, Neil McCann's my first choice. The chairman said, "Well, do you know him? I said, I do." We were together for a short period of time at Rangers before I went to to Spurs. Then I'd worked, I'd I've obviously bumped into him. I live in Edinburgh. He lived in Edinburgh, so we bump into another different things, different events. Sky Sports, if Sky were at uh, Hearts or whatever, and 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 I called them. Uh, we had a board meeting, a Zoom board meeting on the Sunday morning. So I drove John back up. I explained to John. I explained. I said Neil McCann's my first choice. He said that would be mine as well. That was a huge relief that he said that huge relief. So I called Neil as he was on his way to see. He was working for Rangers TV that day. He was working on his way to Dundee United, Rangers Dundee United, Ibrox. And uh, it was a bit of a bombshell to him because what I was telling him wasn't nice, particularly. He asked if he could call me that night. Uh, he did call me back uh, later on that night. We, that was the Sunday night. We were playing 
Aloha on the Tuesday. He came up on the Tuesday afternoon, uh, but he is very, very strong-willed and single-minded. And he said, uh, I'm not going to do it unless I speak to John. Uh, I got John on the phone that afternoon and I handed Neil my phone. said, there's John there. And I walked out of the room and let them speak. And he came out 20 minutes later, handed me my phone back and said, I'll take it. I spoke to John. He's, he's good. So I'm, I'll, I'll do it. If John's okay with me doing it, I'll do it. After the match, I took Neil into the boardroom and we had a meeting with the board so that the board could speak to Neil themselves. It wasn't just me uh, yep. saying uh, anything. They, they were able to ask him uh, what they wanted to ask him. And uh, obviously that's, that, that uh, it went from there. Uh, we had no intention of bringing in an assistant, uh, but uh, I realised pretty quickly, um, again, that with hindsight, we should, because Neil said, do, do, will, will I bring somebody in with me? And I said, I don't think we need to. Uh, but, uh, you know, we probably realised in a week or two that there, were, there was such a level of work required that we should, get, we did need someone. At that stage... Uh, Neil and I spoke, we spent a Sunday afternoon together talking through a whole lot of things and we said, and uh, we, we serendipity, we both came across the, the Dodgy's uh, name at the same time and I said, well, that's Dodgy then. And he went, aye, let's, so, so we spent the next two nights with Dodgy um, speaking to him and saying, can, can we get you in? Um, and that's how that's how the uh, dodgy came about. I believe it wouldn't have been because of Neil. It would have just been circumstance. I believe hundred percent in Neil McCann coming here. I wouldn't. I didn't suggest him because he was mates or because it was. I absolutely believe. I thought. I thought. Uh, you know, I disagreed with what happened at Dundee with him, but it was nothing to do with me. And so when I had the opportunity, and I thought I could get Neil McCann, and for him to drop everything the way he did to come and help us. And I'll be forever, forever grateful to him. Um, I hope it's done well for him because it's changed people's perceptions of him. Wrongly, uh, perceptions held, I, I think, but I, I think uh, we've both done well out of it. Let's talk about some issues. So fans, as you know, were unhappy with the streaming service at the beginning. Um, I think when we spoke and we go back to October, I think you budgeted we'd maybe have Two home matches, maybe streamed. Yeah, three. We again, again, we took a pragmatic decision. Our demographic um, was taken into consideration with that. One of the one of the things that happened with the business, and, and this genuinely relates to uh, streaming, is that our, our we were forced to change our business model during the first part of the lockdown. So during from March to September. The football club had not had any infrastructure investment for a long, long time to the point that our server had a name. Now, that's how old it was. Uh, we weren't on the cloud. We weren't cloud-based and our database for the supporters was awful. And you need good communication. Everyone talks about communication. You need to have a good database to have good communication. So you need to be able to email people and tell them this is what's happening. And, and we didn't have any of that. And so uh, our staff were going to have to work remotely. We, we were almost forced to transform the business overnight, virtually overnight, over a period of weeks and months, where everyone had required to get new laptops with updated software, so everyone could operate. We brought in a brand new digital phone system. 
We were doing that for two reasons. One, for safety purposes, because the football club, you wanted as little, everyone, if you remember, was so fearful at that time. So you want as little contact and interaction as possible. And with the, and we didn't win to go to the season ticket, coming back to the um, streaming, going to the season ticket base was, was a big problem because uh, I would reckon we maybe had a third, 40% at most up-to-date email addresses, which is shocking. For any business, it's shocking. So we, we, we managed to sort of drag the club uh, forward. We'd signed great partnerships with uh, uh, a company called Fiber One, a great partnership with Converged to, to really modernize the club, um, allow us to work in a more, in a more modern way, um, be more flexible. Um, and we, we then had to get everyone's email address in relation to streaming thinking that the streaming was only going to be two or three games, which is what we were assured, given the knowledge at the time. We were assured in December we would not have streaming. We uh, took, a, again, a pragmatic decision to go with Pixelot, which we, which we were told is HD. We were given multiple um, uh, evidential videos to show you how good this is, how well this worked. Uh, this was going in... Um, and the, the AI uh, was now fabulous, Pixel was fabulous. Uh, the only thing we argued at the time was we, we were arguing it was at the wrong side of the stand, it should have been the other side. And um, they said, no, it needed a permanent structure. We said, we'll build a permanent structure then over the other side. And they said, no, no, we want it, it has to go here. So we put that up here in all good faith, thinking this is gonna be great. To get the email addresses of everyone was a real test. It took a long, long time, longer than we'd hoped. Virtually, we were knocking on doors sometimes to get people an email address. But they were season ticket holders who were making good donations to the club and they deserved to be treated the same as everyone else. Yeah. And um, probably a good example of explaining the demographic of our support, everyone who's a season ticket holder in the main stand, the majority of them come in and buy their tickets in person. And everyone in the North Stand, the majority of them buy them online. Not that there's not people that don't in the main stand, but that's that's a, that's a sort of a median uh, description of, of where we're at. Um, so thinking we're only going to be two or three games maximum, then the Pixel Law was a good decision. Uh, we didn't have, we no longer had, certainly since I had come in, there was no ICT TV. I know something existed in the previous years. It didn't exist anymore. Um, uh, guys that we had uh, potentially working for us, um, uh, Andy Johnson's and that, you know, there was potential issues with, because of COVID, we were shutting down on who, who could come in, who couldn't come down, et cetera, et cetera. And we were probably stricter in the rules uh, than anyone else. I believe we were the only championship club that never had a single positive test. I'm not casting aspersions on anyone else, but we were. We were very, very strict. In hindsight, would we have gone another route? Yeah, then absolutely we would. Um, we were going with the technology we had. We thought because we had the full tech backing of the league, because we were the only club that had the full tech backing of the league, then we would be 100% fine and it would be good. Uh, Luca uh, did a tremendous job. Luca Rossi did a tremendous job in very difficult circumstances. And we found that certain of the league suppliers uh, had made promises that they could not keep. We were at different sort of tipping points throughout the season where we were saying, do we pull everything and try and invest in new cameras and a new system? And then everyone's going to have to, we're going to have to get back to everyone, get them all logged in again, some way, shape or how. And that was very difficult to do. Christine had a, 
She's fabulous. She'd get a medal for it, but she had many long days trying to speak to people who were not IT savvy to get them on a stream. We were getting, I think our total, we were, we were between eight, eight and 900 season ticket holders were, was, were roughly, that's the amount that we're logging in. Because um, because remember, if a couple have got to see, they're not going to log in together. Uh, they're not going to log in separately. So we were about eight, 900 uh, were logging in all the time. And we would have had to pull all of that and go down a different route and say, now you're going to have to register differently. And we thought we would lose two or three or 400, which is a big percentage of our people who might not see it again. Uh, probably didn't do our, our uh, commentator any favours because at that time we were told you can't have co-commentators. We didn't help um, the, the young Andy uh, and uh, we're just having him on his own. By the time we got to a position where technically we could have co-commentators, they were having to co-commentate in a different room. Um, you can't have any rapport. Okay. So, so, so uh, could it have been better? Absolutely. Um, apart from, uh, here's, here's the thing that will surprise you. I had four complaints all season. Oh. I had three emails and one uh, letter. Although it wasn't good, it wasn't brilliant. And, it, and sometimes it wasn't even good. I think one of the other things, because I looked and I was sending some links to everybody else, all the amount of people who are moaning about the Hibs stream and the Hearts stream and Celtics one, and, and I've no idea what they were like because I didn't watch any of them. But if you're playing poorly, and at home our record was worse than anywhere else, yeah. then that really winds, grinds people gears as well. So they might have been watching thinking, oh, there's great coverage on Wraith Rivers when we're beating them, or brilliant coverage in uh, Queen of the South uh, when we're hammering them on BBC, or brilliant coverage there because we're uh, so I think there was a multitude of things added up, but the bottom line is, you know, in the long in the long run, we didn't get it right. Uh, we are completely uh, doing a massive um, uh, sort of U-turn on that and uh, uh, and uh, investment, and we will be launching properly uh, a new ICT TV um, on HD cameras from the other side. Cameras behind both goals, replays, slow motion, co-commentators sitting together with special guests and uh, ex-players, and we're doing that for next season. It will be unrecognisable. There'll be nothing at all comes from Pixelot into this. This will all be our own um, footage, and as I say, there'll be cameras behind both goals. Uh, we're working very hard. We've been crunching numbers for how many can we get in safely if it's one meter if it's two meters if it's you know we, we're doing all of that right now it would look at the moment uh, you know very positive that certainly all our season ticket holders for sure will be able to get in at the start of the season and with a with a fair wind you know more than that so, or, or if the only way is is uh, that we utilize every nook and cranny of the stadium to get everybody in and that's what we'll do It was like running a marathon, horrible, not pleasurable. I think uh, highly Gabriel Salasi would disagree, would he not, gents? Let's talk I, about them. I said him alone, but he was... Uh, he was <laughs> Let's touch on something that I think probably quite a lot of people might be um, listening to this pod to hear about. Let's talk about the streaming. Um, I, you probably all have your, 
your hands up here. Is it a surprise that he refers to the club as having an antiquated database system, AY? Uh, I just think it's absolutely bizarre that any modern business can be so inadequately resourced, uh, to put it nicely, that they can't even kind of store and update their season ticket holder information accurately. I just absolutely crazy stuff. Um, I think we'd heard, obviously, that the club's infrastructure kind of remained pretty basic under Kenny Cameron. But I think, I mean, the amount of money that they throwed at the, threw rather, good God, throwed, threw at the footballing operation um, in those days compared to now, you know, they could surely have kind of invested in a, a good IT system. I mean, that's nine times out of ten going to be a, a more reliable long-term investment than a footballer, you know, sort of um, you know, Liam Hughes or whatever, just strange, you know, I'm sure Riley could have sorted them out with some, some cheap hardware as well, you know. If, if tried, mate, I've tried on the side, mate, yeah, cash in hand, you won't take it. The demographic, we have got such a weird demographic as a club, I mean, he's not far wrong with saying that most of the main stand don't have email addresses, right, and you think that's crazy in 2021, but we have still people who go up with a bundle of notes and buy their season tickets as if they're going shopping, and it's just that demographic will change eventually as, as, as time goes on. But I got I get problems why I couldn't change it mid-season because apparently even up until a couple of weeks before the end of the season, Christine Reception was basically telling people over the phone how to log into a game. And if you start changing it halfway through, you alienate fans even more. So we've got a weird demographic, unlike a lot of other clubs, and uh, that demographic has served as well for years and they pay their, their money like we do. So I get so- problems. All, all this stuff about all, all this stuff about the database and the the demographics and that's all really interesting. But as a as a response to the question, which in fairness to you, Stevie, I think is the question you were asking, and not in so many words, was why was our streaming package so pish? Um, it's just pure deflection. And you know, the, our streaming package was the worst from top to bottom in the entire league. And by from top to bottom, I mean you know commentary, camera, package, replays. Every single element of it was the worst in the league. Now, spewing on for ages about the database and the demographics is not an acceptable response to that. You know, um, the, you know, it didn't prevent us improving the commentary. It didn't prevent us getting an ex-player on to have a chat at half time. It didn't prevent us getting replays. Now, actually, in fairness, I, I was convinced this in the interview that moving on from the pixel lot mid-season maybe would have been more difficult than a lot of us think. Um, but that's not to say there's not loads of other things we could have done to improve the experience. And the, the big quote from that interview was, um, Scott Gardner did not watch any other streams from any other clubs um, and also received, uh, well, that's what he said. And also, he, so so, yeah, so we didn't, you know, did we didn't have anything to, he, 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 he didn't know then that we were doing by far the worst package. And the other thing, he'd only received four emails of complaint, but having mentioned that the demographic, you know, don't, don't use email. Um, and again, the young people in the North Stand are kicking up shit constantly on Twitter and adding them in. I found that a bit disingenuous as yeah, well. Yeah, I, so. I would suggest that four complaints all season, fair enough. Um, one was probably a letter from Scott Bambi. I don't know who the other three were. But um, there was a lot of complaints online, so that that seems to suggest that um, if you at mention the club, or even if you talk about the club online, that isn't a complaint. Is that is that not still a complaint? It's certainly in any other line of work in terms of social media monitoring. You monitor um, your positive and your negative interactions, and therefore that suggests that that's not been monitored, which isn't a surprise given that we have an antiquated guess, database yes, system. Yes, but also um, also some of the some of the feedback they were getting via Twitter was 
quite abusive. Um, so they might not purely feel purely inclined to that's, respond. That's, to e- that's easily manageable. In, in, in my work, you, uh, you have a social media manager, and if there are um, sweary words or there are particular, particular bad language lo- used, that a person's blocked. And if there are um, valid, valid um, concerns, then those are, uh, those are looked at. But I think he kind of made a rod for his own back earlier in the season when after was it the, was it the second or third home game where we had already missed something like 50% of the goals because the camera kept flying all over the place. When he said, I think, I don't know what the exact quote was, so I'm obviously paraphrasing here, but, you know, it's not that, you know, the, the system isn't that bad. And, of course, you know, when you, when you say something like that, when, you know, the club's been slaughtered on social media, on, on their own, on, on, on the Cali Thistle online, on Pine Borrow by fans of other clubs, you know, you're not really doing yourself any favours there. I think, yeah. you know, even early in the season, they could have said, you know, we're sorry for any inconvenience, you know, apologies that it's not gone as we planned. However, please be assured we're working on this. We're, we're trying to make it better. Please let us know your feedback. Again, it's, it's trying to reach out and engage with fans, find out what it is that, you know, they think isn't going right and seeing if they can do something to fix it. And I just kind of think by almost kind of dismissing the concerns, I think that kind of got fans' backs up even more, to be honest, really. Hindsight yeah. went, Joe, we'll get the cheapest option and three games and then we'll have fans back in. And they thought that. And do you know, it's short-sighted and a lot of the clubs probably didn't do that. But I think hindsight, they probably wouldn't have done that if they look back now. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, as, as Ross said, other clubs continue to evolve and improve their offer oh, throughout yeah. the course of the season. So I think I, there's probably a middle ground here. There's probably the reality is in the grey area. And that is that Aloha improved their product yes but they don't have the fan base we have Dunfermline had a better product yes but they had their tv system in place before Dundee had their tv system in place before I think we're right in that really difficult middle ground we've obviously got that larger fan base for the middle of sort of table clubs but that, that has obviously precluded us changing it but at the same time you know I, I think he has been contrite in the interview but yeah. maybe he's not been as contrite as we would like him to be. But then he's right. trying to provide the justification. I think that's because there is that grey area. No, yeah. I mean, ending on a positive, I'm looking, I mean, I, I don't want to stream another game again if I can help it. I hated the whole experience. And that's not necessarily just down to our setup. I just hated it. Sitting in your sitting in your living room and not watching a game on a computer screen yeah. or a tablet or a phone is garbage. I hate it. Get it in the bin. I want to be back in stadiums next season. Well, the whole ICT... TV setup sounds promising because you might find, I mean, in the case of AY, he said he's been able to get to more games than he's, you know, ever thought possible. So, whereas, you know, someone like me, I'll be happy traveling up to Inverness from, from the central belt or around the central belt going to games. That's fine. And then you'll have fans like AY who might not be able to get to as many games in person. And hopefully this, this ICT TV setup will allow him to maybe get, you know, be able to view a few more home games. So I think they've got to look now to cater to fans with different requirements, if you like. And hope that's, that, that's, that's nice of you, Andrew, to think about the older fan. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm saying on my commode kind of work. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, one more thing to touch on before we move away from this section. Um, if you listen to the interview with um, Scott Gardner again, you can hear a door slam when he mentions Andy Bannerman. <laughs> Is that, is that him finally left the building? P- poor Andy, uh, at the end of the day, obviously probably cut quite a sad figure being booted for the last game of the season, but obviously in a position that he was, was not comfortable in. So. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a bit harsh actually to can him with one game left. I mean, you may as well... Oh, no, I thought it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, enjoyed it. <laughs> good for you, obviously. Um, 
But I don't know. I mean, we, we said earlier before, I mean, the, the, the kid's, what, 21, 22 or something. He's clearly not an Inverness fan, so that doesn't help him. You know, I think the club kind of cocked up, really, by getting him in the first place. You know, we've, we've talked before that there are fans out there who could have done this and would have done a better job of it. So I don't know why they weren't approached, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I kind of feel sorry for him, but I don't think he's probably got much of a career in commentary. I just want to say before we round up, I mean, shout out to Luca Rossi. And it's on your notes, Moth, but he is the unsung hero of the season. We all know Luca, yeah. we've all sent him an email, and uh, yeah, good job, Luca. And if you're in the club next season, we'll get him on loan, you know, get him loan from the SPFL, he might have potential. But let's, let's get him on, let's get him on the put. And listen, he could manage our social media, you know. Let's uh, let's finish off this bit. Um, there was there was one reference that um, Gardner uh, said that we haven't actually alluded to when he said that, that he, I think it was he said that Barnerman really ground people's gears. Uh, which I thought was, a, which is a superb Family Guy reference. <laughs> right, any other business? What have we missed in the season review so far? What about some of the key moments and decisions of the seasons? Uh, I'm just going to one person to discuss each of these points. First one, how important was Kai Kennedy? Remember him in the, in the early, early games of the season? I think he's done more for racing than for us. I mean, he, that game at Palmerston was superb and I think he had all the potential, but I think when you look at loan signings, Alan done far more than he ever did and he was he was all right, but I don't miss him, you know, so average. Okay, Carson to right back. Uh, well, she talked about him a little bit. Um, said he was a, a good midfielder, but said he'd be a very good fullback. Carson to right back, discuss somewhere. Yeah, I mean, excellent. He didn't put a foot wrong. He got up the pitch well. I mean, I thought Duffy had been fine there, you know, personally. But I think one of the things about Carson is he's maybe a sort of a more physically intimidating character, you know, someone that um, players would be more scared to go up against. And he kind of played like he was making up for lost time having missed the first half of the season. So I think it was it was a great decision and he, he justified it. He was excellent. Well, let's, let's play a game. Where's Wallace? Where, <laughs> where, where is he? Possibly centre half next season, if, as we suspect, Brad might be moving on. I've seen a new novel in the uh, the crime section of Waterstones. The shops have just opened again. It's called the mysterious case of James Keatings. Can I just jump in on that? I don't think there's any mystery with him at all. I think we got exactly what his stats at every other club suggested that we would get from him. Um, he never starts every game. His goal return is on the low side for the forward. Um, it looked like you know quite an exciting signing because he played at a higher level, but basically he's never been a sort of talisman type player to build a club around. I mean, he'll, he'll do one season here, two seasons there, and that's it. You know, he's a talented player, but for whatever reason, he hasn't been able to get quite the best out of it, and it can't always be down to the managers and teams he's with. You know, and that's just lighting the guy up. Yeah, we just need to warn the Rovers fans as well: do not slag him off on social media for fuck's sake. I was going to say, why well, is going to have his mates like calling him a specky bastard yeah. on Twitter now? Best <laughs> signing, best signing of the season. Go, Alan. Bobby D. I know he wasn't there for long, but my God, what a joy it is to see like a proper number ten playing behind a striker. His his shrew balls were just gorgeous. I, I loved seeing his balls played forward. Allardyce. I think Allardyce. He's just the edge of Allardyce because it was a more important position for us. But there's not much between them. Worst signing. Worst signing. It's probably the first season that well. We've not made any dud signings. I mean, yeah, Aaron Lyle and Lowen got a couple of minutes. But it looked good in the last game against there, but there's not really any any bad. Does, does Toshney count? No, he was, he, he was the season before. I uh, know, but he never really featured. No, I, so, so, so he was just he, he was not. He, he would be a nightmare eleven candidate, except it's a bit too soon, you know. Okay, well, more, more on the more on nightmare eleven later. So 
The season is over. The season that, if it was a sexual act, it would be foreplay. It's not really that interesting. It's great when you score, but ultimately you're just left damp and empty. But there's always next time. Standing in the light till it's over Out of our minds Someone had to draw a line We'll be coming back for you one day We'll be coming back for you one day We'll be coming back We'll be coming back for you So for the first time in three seasons we are looking, hopefully, at the full, complete box set season of Scottish football of Inverness, Caledonian Thistle Games for season 21-22. Our fifth and final season in the championship. Surely, if there ever was a, a time for someone to rise like a phoenix from the ashes of COVID, it's the eagle of Inverness. Surely, lads. Surely. Um, the manager, let's talk about that first things first. The gaffer, it all starts there. But it's not a manager, it's a head coach. Gardner has said there will be a delineation of responsibilities with the new man being in charge of the football side of things, leaving Robbo to concentrate on um, the nefarious word that is projects. It's very mysterious. I'm seeing a laboratory, some test tubes in the DNA of Bobby Mann and Ryan Christie. What do you reckon? <laughs> well, I almost choked on my granola uh, the other morning as I opened my press and journal to find a... Uh, 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 a certain uh, provincial podcast ace opining on this very subject. Um, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to dis- disagree with your your take on Billy Dodds. Uh, I've I've been on a wee bit of a journey with Billy Dodds. You know, he, I, I um, I've always been aware of him. I feel like I, I can't imagine a, a time in my life, you know, where Billy Dodds didn't exist for me. Um, and I always thought he was a bit of a dick. Um, I mean, it's a little bit like. It's a little bit like you, Moth. Like, I mean, I've uh, I, a bit of a dick. I've known I've known you for years, and a lot of I mean, a lot of the listeners will like know Moth. They'll have seen him at games. They'll have seen him at the pub. But I had that kind of relationship with Moth for many years, and kind I've of heard him at games as well. I, I, during these couple of years that we've been doing the podcast, you know, I've got to know the depth of the man. You know, the the complex and interesting, very shallow end of the pool. <laughs> tender, uh, you know, loving human being that he can be, um, and and I feel I've. Been on a similar journey with uh, with Billy Dodds this season. So uh, this at uh, the start of the season, it was interesting. Like in the group chat when he was, it was must have been the first Friday night commentary game. Um, I think it was Bandialo or something. Like that. And I remember saying, "Oh Christ, it's Billy Dodds. He's a shite co-commentator." But then, and, and and actually, it was you, Moff, was saying, "Actually, no, listen to him. He's got some good tactical insights." And over the course of the season, listen to Billy Dodds doing the Friday night games. I, I saw there's a man that knows this league, that understands it. You know, that gets certain things that need to be done details you know how to win games how to score from corners in this league and for for the appointment that we've got he seems like absolutely the ideal candidate no no i agree um i think i would i was never a fan of billy dodds and i was uh yeah not that happy when he came on board something about mccann i I wasn't that an hour mccann when he came on board but i think billy dodds filled that role well and i think he filled the the kilika role where yes yep Scott is a great, a great coach, and he's he's renowned, and he's, everyone speaks well of Scott as a coach. And I think he can be a good coach, but you also need to be a good, a good guy around the training pitch. And I think Billy Dodds was the the shop steward, if you if you if you know what I mean. But he was the 
the goal between the, the manager and the players. And I think McCann maybe came in, and I'm not saying he was distant from the player, but I just think he didn't have that rapport with the player. Whereas Billy Doyle lives in the area. He probably knows a lot of the guy from around town. I mean, he's never he's never left since he, he moved up for county. And I would ha- I, I'd happily agree to him being our coach next season. So I think the only way that Dodds works as manager is if Robertson still has input into the football side. That, that's, that's, that's great, though, because, I mean, I thought when this announcement came with Robbo that Robbo would be a director of football type, sporting director, where he would do all the non-coaching stuff, i.e. contracts, recruitment, scouting, all that stuff. But listen to Scott Gardner and listen to uh, some recent reports. It looks like Robbo would be... Projects. A commercial manager. I don't, I don't, don't, don't use that word as, as gospel, but I think more trying to be a club ambassador. Like he done that at Hearts, didn't he? He was, he was a club ambassador. So I yeah. think that's the role that he's maybe trying to get sponsorship in, off the field investment in, as well as well as on the field. So I thought we're looking at a coach, but I, don't, I think we're looking at a manager now. That Why are we using the term head coach then? It's, it's a bit weird. Yeah, I, I, to, I totally agree, agree with you, Ross. Yeah, I, I think I look at head coach as just someone that coaches the team, manages the team, but doesn't do any of the recruitment side of things, but I think we're looking at someone to do both of those roles. Well, this is the key thing. Ross has touched on it. So if, if, if Robertson is not having any saying, I just don't see it. I don't see it happening that he's not going to have any saying. And I don't think Sean Welsh sees it happening either. If you've got a guy like Robert Robertson like that in the football club, he ha- with the experience that he's got, as much as he wants to be away from the day-to-day, he still is going to have a say in the football side of things. He must do. I'm with you. I thought this this coach coming in, head coach, would report it. No, not report it to Robertson, but work with him. Let's move up. Let's move it on a little bit. Let's look at you know all the all the other runners and riders, and we'll just talk about the guys that have been in the. Well, we'll talk about. I'll mention them, and then you can guys talk about who you think should be manager, or who you, or who you think will be manager, or who will be interviewed, or who will apply for it. And you've got Barry Robson, you've got Paul Sheedon, you've got David Robertson, you've got Darren Young. They're all on the bookies lists. Who do you want, and why? One thing about I think Darren Young's has recently signed a two-year contract extension, yeah. so I don't think he's going to be going anywhere. Um, sorry, not unless someone pays out for him. One of the interesting names I saw um, was Michael Beale, the Rangers' first-team coach. No um, chance. No chance. I'd, I'd be yeah, I'd be very surprised if he would drop down to the Scottish Championship for his first kind of managerial gig. Um, Just imagine the EastEnders episode we'd have to do if, if, if he was <laughs> I'm quite kind of keen on the idea of Dodds, but um, I, I can talk about who I don't want. Does a name begin with Gary and then with Oldwell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does actually. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, you know, where do you start with that? I mean, you know, Lena said that utterly mortifying him. Get the first team squad kidnapped by SAS lads, team building exercise, and then <laughs> going on to court sign to laugh at them for being upset, which is exa- exactly the sort of pig shit, thick bullying culture we were talking about earlier. Someone whose CV just about justifies it is Jim McIntyre. That worries me. Yes. Because and you, ne- you never know, he might be all right, but the fact is, no. He in and the support will just have this. But but you his know, foot, visceral but, but, reaction against him straight away. He's nothing from the start. Yeah, I was I was looking at this today, and I thought, yeah, if Dodds is going to come in, and and, it, and if and because it doesn't look like Kel's going to be coming back anytime soon, so you need an you need an assistant manager, and you need a manager as well. So Dodds can't do both jobs. So yeah. and you're not going to promote one of the other two. So you actually need two people. So those two have worked together before. McIntyre has been at people before. It just seems like the easy and simple option, given that the Dodds has that relationship with the players. But the problem is that McIntyre's football. Turgid. 
Yeah, I think his football is terrible, and he also, like I say, it starts the season on a on a kind of a feel bad note. You know, there'll mm-hmm. be so many supporters will just be like, yeah. you know, Jim McIntyre, Christ, you know, he was shouting at County. Why do we want him here? Cheap option, blah blah blah. Yeah. The automatic reaction will be even if the process is conducted really, really well and really forensically, he won't be accepted. You know, yeah. unless he really, you know, it's inside. I just don't want us to go there. Um, the other name that came up mainly due to Moff pushing him so hard in that P&J article, was uh, Stephen Robinson. I think that's pretty pie in the sky, to be honest. I mean, Stephen Robinson yeah. finished third in Motherwell, two cup finals, was touted for the Northern Ireland job at the time. I mean, he's going to get a job in England or in, back in the Premier League. I couldn't see him coming up. OK, well, I'll, I'll have my say, given the in the P&J article, which I thought was just going to be a quote for an article, <laughs> not the entire article about my opinions. <laughs> I would have been a little bit more circumspect about what I was saying if that was the case. <laughs> um, I thought, I'll just give the guy as much as he can, you know, as much as I can give him. You know, just like, use the best bits. Nah, he just used everything. Um, and it was chalky, but a pole chalk, top man. Um, here's the name. I think he will apply for it. I know that he is friends, to a certain extent, with John Robertson, and I think he'll get an interview. He's been a manager in the Scottish League before. He has done coaching at Hearts. It's Liam Fox. No, no chance. I think Liam Fox will will apply, and I think Liam Fox will get an interview. And I think if they're looking for a young manager and they want Billy Dodds as the assistant, then there's no other better candidate than Liam Fox as manager. Barry Robson. If I, I don't, as I said in the PNG, I don't think I don't know if Barry Robson or Paul Sheen would apply for it. You've got to apply for it first, unless you're Joe Robertson, you just get asked to do it. I'm still kind of like grappling with the idea that Liam Fox could even be considered to be a manager because, in my mind, he's he was still a manager like, of Cowdenbeath. Well, I was going to say, in my mind, he's still that 20 year old kid that comes off the bench in that for the final 10 minutes of games. Like <laughs> him and Alan Morgan and Ian Black. Right? <laughs> well, he's meant he's Sean Welsh said he's a very good coach. Robo version one was a coach at Livingston, so if Rob was part of the recruitment um, team, then you might be right, Moff, that they might look down the. Un, un, the, the, you know the, the, the young coach and someone that's not been their own man yet. So I, 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 mean, I think I think they will because if you if you're almost sandwiched between Billy Dodds and John Robertson, you're just going to be like a sponge and learn stuff. Right. Well, we've heard we've we've heard a bit from the boys. Uh, we've kept a wee bit of Walshy back for the end. Let's hear from the skipper. What's his thoughts on the manager? Yeah, that was t- total shock to us as well. We all uh, we were all expecting. Robo de Gaffer to come back as a manager. Um, so we, we had no idea, no inkling that this was happening. Um, so it'll be a different face for us again in charge. Um, I don't know. I've got no idea if Robo will still be around the players or I don't know how that how it's going to work. We'll, we'll see that when we go back for pre-season. But obviously there'll be a new head coach in place that's that's there to take the day-to-day running of the team. So it'll be interesting to see um, who they bring in and I'll be looking forward to going in and seeing who it is and working with our fresh face. Anyone you would prefer? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I've been in football long enough now. It doesn't matter who it is, you just got to go on with it. Um, hopefully it's not someone that I've put bad path across already. I don't think I've, to be fair, I've never done that. Um, so in that sense, I don't mind who it is. Just look forward to getting started again. What about Billy Dodds? He's he's uh, top of the bookies list at the moment. He's very popular with you guys last season, wasn't he? I seen that. I seen his favourite in the bookies. Um, I've got he was he done well. He obviously done well when he came in. We'd, I think he'd like to let us know that he, he hadn't lost a game in the first five or six. Um, but uh, he's he's a good character. He's good energy and enthusiasm and positivity. So 
who knows? We'll wait and see. But if it's Billy, then that'll be good for the group because they'll kind of know what they're getting. Um, but as I say, I've, I've got no preference. I'll just wait and see who it is and look forward to going back to work with them. Okay, uh, let's quickly move on. Out of contract, gone. Who will no no longer be acting a big time in the den? Who is taking their leave of the Highlands and left Jerry Heavers and Pentangle behind? Riley, who's gone? I'm, so I'm, I'm aware that Pentangle went a long time ago. <laughs> so, well, Danny McKay's away, obviously. Keaton's away. Uh, I think McHatty will be gone. Um, Brad, Brad McKay, by all accounts, no, nothing's come out, but I think he pretty much wants to move back to the central belt and probably end up at Dunfermline next season. I expect Toddy will be away. I think Toddy again, and it's like a broken let record, but geography wise, he wants to move back to Edinburgh. His missus is from there, and I think you'll see him at Dundee or Dunfermline next season. Um, but apart from that, I think we've still got a decent set of nucleus of squad. I think we've got. James Vincent? Well, Vinny's away, obviously, yeah. Sorry, yeah, he's out of contract, and uh, without going into the the nitty gritty of that, the way he was released is diabolical and I hope the club learn from that and they don't do it again. But uh, Maybe worth noting that Dorn and Story are both out of contract as well um, at the end of the season. I'd probably look to try and retain both. Um, but with Vincent, I guess we've got enough options in maybe the centre midfield. Okay, <laughs> addition, who's coming in? Um, we might need a right back, I don't know. We need a centre, we definitely need a centre back. We need at least one winger. We need at least one striker. And we need, if we can get one, like an attacking central midfielder or a number 10 type player. I've asked the boys to scour the online transfer markets and uh, report back to the fans and tell you all who's out there. So I'm going to kick off with the big guns. Who's out there in terms of forwards, guys? What are the forwards in your transfer transfer lists? Uh, I had a bunch of um, attacking players, uh, not necessarily true forwards, but I had a few attacking uh, targets. Um, he's been with us before. He's out of contract after a kind of a shock horror injury hit season with the Air United, but still showing flashes of promise. Maybe get Tom Walsh back up the road. Um, perhaps a more serious target could maybe uh, young Kyle Turner, who played for Air United uh, the other night oh. in the playoffs. Um, he was doing good things at Dunfermline earlier this season until allegedly um, some kind of Premiership level clubs started sniffing around, and by all accounts, he kind of had his head turned and lost oh, his way. Well, the one name I will come up with, and it, was, it would be a very, I think it would be a very robo signing, um, just been released by Falkirk at the age of 34, is Connor Salmon. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, what about, okay, then, what about Bob McHugh out of contract at Queen's Park? No, no, huh? he's too, too central belt by Stable Never. He'll be a John. Okay, there's a guy I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure. Not sure anyone's heard of this guy. Uh, he's at a contract. Some team over the bridge. Billy Mackay. Yep, take him. I'll take him. Yeah, I'll yeah. take him. Two kind of wingers that can also play as part of a front three. Ewan Henderson from Hearts. Um, only ten appearances this last season. He scored three. He's a decent player. I don't think Hearts will keep him in the top flight. Um, so I think we could go in there. Neil played with Anthony McDonald before. People have mentioned Kane Hester before. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> Dom Thomas for me from Dunfermline. Standout this season. Um, a wee bit older, but yeah, the boy can play on both sides of the, the pitch. I mean, Mr. Assist this season. I think your man, Ewan Murray's probably dedicated most of his goals to Don Thomas's crossing. So, uh, What about a midfielder, uh, Ethan Ross, Aberdeen, left-sided? Mm-hmm. Uh, no idea who that is. That's old, yeah. Yeah, he was on loan at Wraith Rovers early in the season, then Kai Kennedy came in for them and Ethan Ross got recalled by Aberdeen. And I think he's had a few games there. I don't know... Um, 
don't think he's necessarily out of contract or anything, yeah. per se. But yeah. here's, another, here's another one. A guy you picked out earlier in the season, stuff, um, key man for ear. I believe he's out of contract. Luke McCowan. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Luke McCowan, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it, it certainly seems that he's unlikely to sign a new deal. Yeah. Um, another one Another one we were linked with last season plays on the left. I think, I genuinely think this should be an option. I think he's out of contract at Dundee. If they go up, he definitely will be kept on. Declan McDade. Yeah. He'll back to Partick Thistle, yeah. He was nearly going to go to Partick Thistle in January, but he's a good player. I like him, yeah. Yeah, he's, 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 look, he's looked good in the latter part of the season and the, the games I've seen on the TV anyway. And, there wasn't he before Dundee, wasn't he? Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Any, any other midfielders, guys? Well, I've got a, a, a wonderfully unrealistic shout. Scott Allen's away. We need a number 10. He's been released by Charlton, I think it is. Bring home Shiniesta. The original OG Shiniesta. Get him back up. He's 32, though. He's 32, or he's about to turn 32. Right, let's go on to defenders. I don't really think we need any other other than one one centre half. No, we need a right. We need a right back. I think. I think a right back. Well, I I think I think Carson will probably continue there, but go. Hopefully not. I I would go with. I think it's realistic. Um, Shea Logan. That's my number one signing target as well, is Shea Logan. Shea Logan. I mean, the boy's at an age now, but he's, what is he, what, 31, 32? He's 33. Right. He's still sold the championship as fast as lightning, proper wing back, and I'd I'd have him in a heartbeat. He'd be my number one target, Shea Logan. And I think we should mention, while we're here, just he's been released, it's probably not realistic, but he's been released by Livingston, a player that I absolutely love watching and we'd love to see in Inverness is F.A. Ambrose. No chance. (laughs) I know He's not going to. He wouldn't come up the road, but it would be it would be great fun. Finishing off opposition, finally with Hearts out of the league, it will be either Kilmarnock or Dundee who will be the big wage providers in the division. Do we see anyone else able to challenge that? Partick with momentum, Wraith with the settled squad and the manager, or the Pars with the Deutsch marks? What do we reckon? If, see, if I was a Pars fan I was excited about the Deutschmarks, I'd be pretty gutted if we signed Brad Mackay, to be honest. <laughs> um, but they, they have an excellent squad as it stands without spinning any money. I'd expect them to be up there next season if they appoint well. I think Thistle will do well. I think Particle will do Again, going back to that second season bounce, they'll, they've got, got a, lot of, a lot of decent play. I, mean, I like the boys out running up front. I think he'll score a lot of goals next season for them. But they'll... They'll get, they'll get back well, and uh, I expect him to be in the top half of the table next season. Yeah, I would imagine Ray Throwers will be well-established amongst the playoff place at least next season. Uh, McGlynn's a good manager. They've got a talented squad where they keep some players in the likes of Reagan Hendry for next season, I don't know. But they're already making moves. They're strengthening, bringing in you know Keatons and, and other players. So it'll be interested to see what they do next season. Yeah, I'll look a bit further down. I think Ayr will spend to try and kind of prevent a repeat of this season but I think they've got an absolutely rotten manager in Hopkins so they're going to struggle again um, Queens will have to build again and be fighting Morton have got to deal with the difficult scenario of a fans takeover even if they stay up so I think they're just going to be fighting against it again so it cannot come soon enough And now, in the longest-running horror saga since Friday the 13th, the bloodiest since Halloween, with more zombies than Ibrox, more malformed goblins than Dingwall High Street, 
more unpredictable than Scream, and the ugliest since Darren Dodds comes Nightmare 11, the final chapter. So I'm just going to throw the final two in tonight, um, and then I'll run through the, the 11 and all its gruesome glory, but uh, it's, it's going to be a very, very weird formation. Um, not really a Christmas tree, uh, more sort of like a palm tree shape. Uh, and that's basically because we seem to have signed a disproportionate amount of shite who were allegedly wingers or strikers. So I'm just going to kind of continue with that, that with tonight's picks. So the first uh, and the 10th addition to the Nightmare 11th signed to bolster our greatest ever team in our greatest ever season and racking up a grand total of six appearances, five as sub and just the one start and a win percentage of 33% is the unforgettably named but the otherwise entirely forgettable Carmel King. Can any, can any of you remember what his, uh, his one start for the team was? Yeah, it was probably the week before the cup final against Celtic, no? Bingo, yeah, the 5-0 defeat against Celtic um, the week before the Scottish Cup final. So actually, you could say that he did do some good for the club in that he filled the jersey and stopped anyone decent getting injured. Anyway, so the final place in the team goes to the man who was going to be so good that we no longer needed Dennis Blinus. The man who tore it up over the bridge a mere two divisions below where we were at the time. So obviously, he was going to be the greatest forward we ever had. The man who was going to drag us out of the serious slump we'd got into before the end of the, or towards the end of the 07 08 season, when between January the 2nd and May up. 17th, the only team that we beat apart from Gretna was Kilmarnock once. That's how shape we were under Bruce. And the man who started so promisingly by scoring on his debut away at Aberdeen that we thought that the club was going to be completely reborn and then scored once more that season and the team plummeted down the table with his reputation tied to it like a cannonball. Andy, his name sounds really like our commentator of the season pass. Barrowman, not Bannerman. Um, Probably the most heralded but most undelivering ICT player until Danny Lopez. Okay, so on the principle that the best form of defence is attack, the final Nightmare 11 is... Zippy Malkowski. Tom Aldred. Nat... Wedderburn Clot Napka <laughs> Gil Blumenstein <laughs> Billy King My monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly... John Beard. <laughs> he did the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. He did the match. Andy Barrowman. Felicio Dano. <laughs> <laughs> Lurking 
Manny Lopez. Brilliant. Well done, lads. Come on. He's been at, he's been at that for two years. Well done. <laughs> what formation are they playing in? I think uh, I think it's a palm tree formation. Do you know what it is? Nah, it's not a palm tree. It's just, it's just it's just a malformed jobby. A beelbub. Which is the one that goes like that. That's all from us. Thanks to everyone for listening over this most difficult, unusual and trying of seasons for a myriad of reasons. Before we go, real football has been away for what seems like a long time now. So when we go back, it's going to be a lot of emotional moments. It's going to be a lot of firsts. You're going to have your first goal, the first win, first car and the first away game. First time you're sitting in the main stand to get frustrated at a Screamer of a goal and then the ubiquitous polite applause. This time next year, we will be recording our first ever championship winning podcast in Fanny Big Asslight, having just pipped Killy to the title by beating them on their own plastic midden. And we will all be absolutely gubbed and we will all be euphorically happy. Raise a glass to that. Uh, you've also got first time Stevie Riley finds a new Paddy type hate figure to shout drunken abuse at. First yep. time Brad Mackay scores against us for whoever he's playing for. Uh, the first ICT player at Southford County. The first of uh, the young terrace team with a smoke thing that is wrongly identified as a flame and, and, and thrown out. Um, the first disgusting pie. Uh, the first fantastic pie. And the first ubiquitous and the second and the third and the fourth Bovril as hot as the fucking sun. And we will have our first pod of the new season. We'll all be back with some sort of season preview action in early July or something like that with a new manager, sorry, new head coach, new kits, new players, fans back in the grounds. It does sound absolutely cracking. Until then, it is goodbye from Stevie. Goodbye. Goodbye from AY. Goodbye. Goodbye from Ross. Goodbye. Goodbye from Sav. Yep. Goodbye from me. Enjoy your summer. We're all off to watch the Euros and spend a summer raging that Sean Rooney isn't in the squad. But more, import- more importantly, next time you hear us, hopefully, surely, the football, the real football, will be back. And as always, thanks to Steve Kelly for the theme music, Sophie Rob for the artwork, everybody else for your support. We absolutely appreciate all support that everyone gives to the pod, um, all the interaction we get on the social media. And hopefully when we come back next season, we can actually meet some of you guys. And who knows, we might be able to do this uh, long, long talked about live pod, which will be as much fun uh, for us as hopefully it will be for you guys. So until then, take care of yourself and bye for now. What's up? Would you like to finish on a high? Ah, go on then. What about a bit of fireball? There. Here's a chance for Tottenham! Yeah. Wow! Quick as you like, Inverness, Cali Thistle are back on level terms. I'm a fireball. Here is Kelly's corner. Well met by Divine. Here's Mackay. A 
away from Larkin, oh he's done really well, Mackay opens up for him, what a goal from Danny Mackay, a solo effort from the youngster, that is quite superb. Your Sutherland can get Surely that does it for Inverness Cali Thistle. The championship side celebrates as if they have booked a place in the next round. And Shane Sutherland's the man who's done it. Fire it all. Yep, yep.